Welcome back, everybody. Episode 43 of the Sports Gospel Podcast. Happy to have you back with us wherever you're listening to us. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, or SportsGospel.com. Darren and Andrew back with you this week, and we're going to jump right into this thing. It is NFL playoff season. If you watched the Super Wild Card or Super Blowout Weekend, we have narrowed down to eight teams, four in the AFC, four in the NFC. That's where we're going to start this week's show. Maybe do a bit of a recap, get Andrew's thoughts on those games, and then start looking ahead to the divisional round. So before we do any divisional round talk, Andrew, anything from the Wild Card Weekend that you uh, would like to bring to the forefront? Nothing surprising. Um... Poor clock management by, by Mike McCarthy, but as a Packer fan, that doesn't surprise <laughs> me at all. I saw years and years of it, so uh, I was probably the least surprised person when that went down, and I felt incredibly thankful to uh, have Matt LaFleur as head coach instead of Mike McCarthy because at least the clock management under Matt LaFleur is much better. So don't understand what the Cowboys are doing running a quarterback draw with 14 seconds around the 35-yard line. Just take a couple shots to the end zone and call it a day. Um, see what you can do on a couple of Hail Mary passes to the end zone and see what comes of that. Instead, it's probably your best bet. So bad clock management and then um, poor officiating, just some really weird officiating stuff. Um, a lot of crews that hadn't worked together officiating a lot of these games, and it, it led to some interesting stuff like the Raiders Bengals play where uh, Joe Burrow threw a touchdown after the whistle, but somehow it still counted. Um, it was very, that was a very interesting scenario. Um, none of the results were all that surprising. Everything went about as I expected. I mean, I really thought that the 49ers would kind of beat the Cowboys. Um, so yeah, nothing, nothing surprising other than those two things. And I don't understand why the NFL does that. Why mix up your referee assignments for guys <clears throat> who have not been together all year? And then you, because there is, there is something to be said for that rhythm and that familiarity you develop as a crew. And now we're going to break all that up for our most important games of the year. Yeah, I don't quite it, understand that. It's never made sense to me either. Um, but I guess that's what you get when you've got so many wild card games in, in one weekend. Another thing that I didn't understand was the Monday night thing. Now uh, the Rams are at a bit of a disadvantage on a little bit of a short week heading to uh, Tampa Bay. I didn't really understand the reason why we needed to have a Monday night game. I guess I was grateful for it because I got to watch one more round of the Manning cast, which has been kind of one of the highlights of the NFL season. The Manning cast has been absolutely the best part about Monday night football. Money, 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 money. Yep, and that's exactly it. And these these games are all terrible. We knew they would be. There's, there even having six seeds in there is a stretch. Granted, we had two very different results in our three six games, but there's no reason to have seven NFL teams in the playoffs. I know what's going to happen, and I'm scared that we're going to end up with NFL being just like NHL and the NBA. We're going to have eight teams from each conference, and you're going to see teams get blown out. But we all watched. They got the TV ratings. Whatever else ABC was going to play Monday night did not draw the ratings that a football game will. So it's all about money. Do you think all these stadiums didn't love having that extra money coming in? I think was Dallas the only home team that lost? I believe so. 
So you don't think Jerry Jones liked having that one more week of money coming in the TV. So everybody invested gets more money and we sit here and watch the game. So it's kind of our own fault for feeding the beast. But I think this year is going to be a microcosm of what we're going to see going forward with these seven and eventually eight teams in the playoffs for each conference. Is there going to be these ugly, ugly blowouts and these terrible games? And you may be risking getting a guy injured. I'm trying to think off the top of my head if we had any serious injuries, guys who went down this weekend. But why is it worth it for Kansas City to risk their guys in a blowout against Pittsburgh when Pittsburgh has no business being there? But I'll step down from my soapbox. Yeah, and you put it out there, serious injuries on wild card weekend. Um, 49ers actually have a couple of guys that are banged up. We can talk about that later. Uh, but maybe one of the more important injuries was uh, Tristan Wirfs going down for the Buccaneers. Absolute stud, a first-team All-Pro right tackle there for them. And uh, their offensive line was a little bit shaky against the – it didn't matter because they were playing the, the Philadelphia Eagles, so it didn't really matter. But uh, that might come to roost against a, a defensive line of Aaron Donald and Von Miller and, and others uh, this week against the Rams. So we'll see. So to get everybody up to speed here, if they haven't been paying attention, we are all chalk in the AFC, your one, two, three, and four seed. We'll eventually go through these in chronological order, but just for the playoffs, you've got Buffalo going to Kansas City, Cincinnati goes to Tennessee, and then over in the NFC, it is all chalk except for the Cowboys. We talked about it on last week's show. We knew that Dallas was a bad bet. They're just, they're candy. They look so sweet and delicious, but you know it's not good for you. Not shocking that the Niners got there, but you have the Niners now have to go to Lambeau and the Rams have to go to Tampa Bay, which before we get into these games, quick side note, look at the stadiums we have. Lambeau and Arrowhead, iconic, loud, classic stadiums with great fan bases. And then you got Raymond James, which nobody cares that it's Raymond James. It's just cool that it's a pirate ship. So you have three really cool stadiums and then Nissan Stadium. I could not have told you Tennessee Stadium was called Nissan Stadium, but the other three, all really cool, iconic stadiums for the NFL. Absolutely. I, I really like the fact that we've got Lambo and Arrowhead in round two. Um, I'm a little bit, um, I think it's a little disappointing that we're getting Buffalo, Kansas City this week and not next week. Hey, I'd rather see that as an AFC championship you're, game. You're, you're mad at Tennessee for playing well? A little bit. Um, hmm. I'm not mad at Tennessee for playing well, but Maybe more mad for the Chiefs and uh, Bills not taking care of business against Tennessee in the regular season. Um, so I can't really hold it against the Titans. If those teams would uh, beat Tennessee in the regular season, we'd be talking uh, Titans-Chiefs this week and uh, maybe a Bengals-Bills matchup, which I think would be entertaining as well. But well, let's, let's talk about those Titans here. The first game on Saturday afternoon, it's going to be in the afternoon wherever you are in the country, the Bills Bills. What are they called? Cincinnati Bengals at the Titans on CBS. What is your first feelings on this game, which according to all reports, Derrick Henry will be playing for the Titans. And that's a big deal right there. I think Derrick Henry being healthy gives the Titans a a little bit of an edge, but I think this is going to be a close game. Um, Looking at the the line from Vegas, I mean, they obviously think that this is going to be close game Tennessee by three and a half right now I think uh I think anywhere from a three to a seven point Titan win seems inevitable <laughs> here but I, I think there's going to be plenty of points um neither defense is all that impressive uh, between the Bengals and Titans they're kind of just middle of the pack defenses middle of the road 
Um, and offensively, Tennessee's strength is obviously running the ball when Derrick Henry is in, and it opens up a lot of things with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones as well. But uh, the Bengals can also put up some points, and Joe, Bur- Joe Burrow didn't look phased in that playoff game last week against the Raiders. Granted, it's just the Raiders who, who are kind of a fringe playoff team, but Joe Burrow looks like he's kind of the real deal and he's kind of ready for this moment. So I think I think Tennessee will win, but I think it's going to be a, a rather close game. I do think it's fun this round looking at the teams we have left. How cool is it to see the Bill uh, Bengals? Why do I keep doing that? How cool is it to see the Bengals this far? They've been terrible for so long to finally at least have some glimmer of hope. It kind of felt like with the Browns last year that, oh, they finally got over the hump. They finally won a playoff game. And then we have that with Cincinnati this year. If you look at the champion conference championship teams from the last couple of years, it's this weird dichotomy of the haves and have-nots. You've got basically the NFC are all teams that have been there in the last three years. The 49ers, Packers, Bucks, and Rams, I believe if you look back in the last three seasons, those teams have all been in the NFC championship. And then you go over to the AFC and you've got these these lovable losers like Tennessee, Cincinnati, and Buffalo. I know that Tennessee and Buffalo have been more on the upswing a little bit more recently than Cincinnati, but it's great to see this new blood, especially from the AFC. And it feels like the Bengals and the Bills especially are the, if you don't have a dog in the fight, you're cheering for one of those two teams just to change it up. Sorry, Mr. Packer fan, but people are sick of the Packers. They're sick of Tom Brady. I think they're starting to get sick of Kansas City and Mahomes. Like, let's get somebody different. And I think whoever wins this game, I think I'm going to give Cincinnati more of a chance than you are. Derrick Henry being healthy does give me cause for concern. I don't know that I'm going to outright pick Cincinnati here on the fly, but I do think they have a good chance. Joe Burr is playing out of his mind. Jamar Chase is playing fantastic. You mentioned the defenses are both kind of middle of the road. But something else, Tennessee is the third most penalized team in the league. They are the most penalized of all the teams left. So we saw it with Dallas in this last game, how ill-prepared they were, the, the mental lapses, the mistakes that you look at a team like Tampa, who's never penalized, that, that kind of execution, that intelligence on the field, that's where I think somebody like a Tampa is a safe bet. Tennessee a little bit, I, I have trouble trusting Tennessee. I think low-scoring, clock-controlled defensive game give me Tennessee. If Cincinnati can score early and often and turn this into a shootout, I think the Bengals can pull the upset. Yeah, and I'm not saying it's with, uh, in the realm of possibility that the Bengals couldn't get it done. I don't feel uber confident about my uh, Titans pick. I do think, however, that uh, Mike Vrabel is a little bit better of a coach than Zach Taylor, and I think I'll uh, I'll give them that coaching edge there. And those kinds of things matter in the playoffs. And, uh, again, the Titans have been there before. They made the AFC Championship last year. Uh, they didn't win it, obviously, but they've been there, done that. And uh, I'll kind of just give them the edge there because of uh, coaching and experience. Uh, to be different, give me the Bengals. Let's ride the Cinderella ride till they get eventually slaughtered by the winner of the Bills and Chiefs. But for now, let's have one more fun week of Bengals. I'll go with I the underdogs. Love it. I, I will probably be cheering for the Bengals. I don't like uh, having to cheer for the Titans. I would love to see a Bengals-Bills AFC championship, but I don't I don't think that's what we're headed for. And your other Saturday night game on Fox, the 49ers and the Green Bay Packers. I don't really have a lot to say about this. I don't love the 49ers. I think they got the lucky matchup with the Cowboys. I hate to say this in front of you, but I think Green Bay is going to slaughter them. 
your boy, Mr. Aaron Rodgers, is 0-3 against the 49ers, but at Lambeau in January, Green Bay's playing great football right now. So I hate to agree with you, but I'll just get it out of the way so you can have your Packer moment, but I'm, I'm picking Green Bay. Yeah, and uh, it's not going to surprise anyone that I'm, I'm taking Green Bay either. Um, this line is six points. I think that's kind of a safe bet. Uh, people don't remember, Green Bay was up 17 to nothing this season against San Fran. A couple of questionable DPIs that led to some scores, a special teams touchdown. Some weird things happened, and it made it more of a game than what it actually was. Uh, now, they're, they're, the Niners are using Debo Samuel in some different ways than they were earlier in the season, and that might be possibly a bad matchup for Green Bay, but Debo Samuel's been a bad matchup for everybody that he's played, not just Green Bay. Um, first team all pro, he's obviously a bad matchup for everyone. So uh, that's something that gives me a little bit of pause. The Niners are playing uh, good football right now, but like you said, it's in Lambeau on the Saturday night. It could be as low as two degrees there by game time. I mean, the 49ers really aren't cold weather team. Um, Joey Bosa, his status is in question although I think he'll probably play, but who knows at what capacity. Fred Warner, somewhat in question, um, went down with an injury, and who knows if he'll be good to go. Um, but also, 49ers are, are like 31st out of 32 NFL teams and giving up uh, yards or, and catches to number one wide receivers. Yeah, that's bad news against uh, – a Devonte Adams type player who's the best wide receiver in the NFL. I think I'm with you. The Packers are going to roll. They're going to put up points early and often, and it's going to force the Niners a little bit out of their element. Um, they won't be able to run and control the clock, kind of play that style. And I think that's why Green Bay kind of blows the doors off of them here on the Saturday night game. That's what concerns me about the Niners. I think the weakest part of this team is the defensive secondary, which is not a good recipe against Aaron Rodgers. The front seven could get after him if Bosa, Armstead, and Fred Warner are able to wreak havoc in that backfield, make Rodgers unsettled. That could have an impact, but I think if he gets time in that offensive line, which they're all back, correct? Bakhtiari's healthy, and Elton Jenkins and everybody is good up front for the pack. Um, Elton Jenkins is is out for the season, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Bakhtiari's back. Josh Myers is back, the rookie center that was playing well. So you've got your all pro left tackle and a rookie center that was playing really well. Zedarius Smith is back. He's our best pass rusher. Although Rashawn Gary has been incredible. Um, Preston Smith has been incredible. So is Kenny Clark. So you've got four legitimate guys who can rush, rush the passer there along that defensive line. And then Jair Alexander, their all pro corner is going to be back as well. And you, you team him up with Eric Stokes and Rizul Tuglas, who have played out of their mind in Alexander's absence. You've got probably one of the – you probably got the best second – Green Bay probably has the best secondary of any of the remaining teams here in the playoffs. And they also probably have the best pass rush as well. So everybody wants to talk about their, their run defense as well, although they have a first-team all-pro linebacker. Devondre Campbell, who's been really solid. Um, there's some question marks there, but as a unit, the Green Bay defense is actually pretty good. So, um, And then another thing that I've seen in um, Aaron Rodgers' last 12 primetime games, he's 12-0, 73% completion, 
253 passing yards, 34 touchdowns, two picks uh, in his last 12 primetime games. So we got another primetime game coming up, and uh, Rodgers just shows up in these moments. So He's the anti-Kirk Cousins? Yeah, the absolute antithesis to Kirk Cousins. Um, Good luck to the 49ers. And I hate to admit this, but looking at the roster, like, oh, that Packers defense is way better than I gave it credit for. But that's what happens when you draft defensive backs every first round for like five straight years. Eric Stokes, Darnell Savage, Jair Alexander, all first round picks. Kevin King, a second round pick. Man, like the the Raiders need to take a page out of the Packers book. In 2019, they got Rashawn Gary and Darnell Savage in the first round. And team like the Raiders who keep missing on first round picks. Study whatever the Packers are doing. Defensive draft picks, I should say. Don't follow the Packers in their offensive first round picks. Well, actually, you know, in their offensive first round picks, I actually don't mind it either because um, I read some chatter on uh, Twitter today um, that drafting O-linemen early in the the first round, the second round, is kind of what Green Bay has done to surround Rodgers with a good offensive line. And that in and of itself is kind of a weapon. Um, Think about the Chiefs getting beat down by Tampa last year. It was mainly because – their offensive line wasn't up to snuff. Um, Cardinals getting beat down this weekend. Kyler Murray, um, they have a lot of, they've invested in a lot of skill players, but again, poor blocking. Um, Green Bay, good offensive line, good pass blocking, good run blocking. Um, So while they haven't invested in those first round wide receivers that are flashy names, they've kind of gone with the approach of if we can put, if we can just keep Rodgers upright, He's going to make plays no matter who we put out there. Ask the Browns. Um, ask the Browns how you know, having a talented offensive line how far that gets you. Well, you got to have the talented quarterback to go with it, oh. um, and that's not Baker Mayfield. So, but when you've got a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, you know it's really a shame if you don't have a good offensive line to help keep him upright. So, I think uh, there's a lot to be said for the teams that we've got remaining in this um, divisional round with maybe the exception of the Bengals. Cause they have a little bit of shaky blocking every once in a while. We've got teams that have good blocking up front. And uh, those are the teams that are remaining. I think Tampa Bay has at least three pro bowl offensive linemen. If they're all healthy, the chiefs completely re- rebuilt theirs and theirs is fantastic. Niners are decent. Rams are decent. Andre or Andrew Whitworth, I don't think is ever going to retire. So I think you're right on the offensive line being a key factor here. Uh, We, we never, we did not do a score for the Titans game, but we'll do what's your score for the Packers. And then we'll go back and do scores for the Bengals Titans. Um, great question. Looking really quickly at the, uh, the over under here, 47 and a half. Um, I think I think this is something like a like a thirty one to thirteen kind of Green Bay. Um, so under um, mostly Green Bay. Uh, Debo Samuel is able to get a touchdown and they tack on a couple field goals, but I think this is a, a thirty one to thirteen beatdown. We're a lot closer than I wanted us to be. I I'm going to go thirty one seventeen for the Packers. Like you said, I think Debo Samuel will get one. Some weird trick play. I think the 49ers have an underrated bag of tricks. And when you have guys like Debo Samuel and I believe Ayuk is playing, 
uh, have those guys healthy and some kind of trick plays. The Niners will milk the clock and get some big run play here and there. I could even see a, a pick six or something crazy, scoop and score, TJ Watt style. So I don't think they're going to shut out the 49ers, but I'm going to go 31-17. And then for the Bengals-Titans, I'm telling you, I'm feeling a shootout here, despite kind of the slow plotting what we think the uh, Titans are. I think the Bengals are going to score, and the Titans are going to have to throw to keep up with them, and Ryan Tannehill is very capable of that with those wide receivers. Give me Cincinnati, 42-32. Wow. Um, that's uh, that's an interesting one. I think that's a lot of points for a playoff game. Um, Tell that to the Bills. <laughs> yeah, um, true. Uh, the Bills the Bills did light the world on fire. Um but again, they play like the perfect offensive game and they came up with 47 points. Um, the Bengals, man, they, they were, they were frustrating to me. Um, Cause I may or may not have had the over in that game. Um, yeah, I definitely had the over in the Bengals Raiders game and it was tough to see them settle for field goals in the red zone so many times against a Raiders defense that was last in the NFL and historically bad at giving up touchdowns. They give up touchdowns on like 81% of opponent drives in the red zone before that game. And I think they significantly improved over the course of that game because they only gave up a couple touchdowns and a whole host of field goals. So I think this is something like a 31 to 27, um, Tennessee victory here. Um, so I think we do hit the over. I think the Bengals do put up enough points. But again, I'm, I'm a little skeptical of their red zone offense. It seems to be if they don't score from far out, they kind of they kind of struggle in the red zone as an offense. We will go over to our Sunday games. Your Sunday afternoon matchup, the Rams getting the unenviable road trip going all the way to Tampa Bay to take on the two-seed Buccaneers. West Coast, East Coast, what's the best coast? Uh, this is this is a bit of a tough one to, to pick because, again, I think some of this hinges on uh, the health status of, of Tristan Wirfs. Um, he uh, he got injured kind of early in that uh, Eagles game. It didn't matter, again, because it was the Eagles. He tried to come back, but didn't look right. And uh, it was really questionable that they even brought him back. I, I think he's got a high ankle sprain. Um, I'm not sure. I haven't heard of the uh, the injury news there. but uh, There was no that... reason to bring him back out in that game. You're killing the Eagles. Why even risk bringing him back out? Anyway, exactly, exactly my point. And uh, he's been such a mainstay there. And uh, whoever their backup was came in and immediately was exploited by by the Eagles, who um, I don't think are the greatest pass rushing team in the NFL. Uh, But I think that's something that maybe McVay can look at and uh, exploit if Werfs is out. So uh, I I think... I think the injuries and all of that is kind of going to catch up to Tampa here. Uh, I don't think that uh, I don't think that Tampa can kind of overcome all the injuries and everything that they've endured thus far. 
Um, Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones are still trying to work their way back. Although I think at least Fournette may be healthy for this game and that may help in some regard to give their offense a little bit of balance, but Man, I think I'm going to I'm going to take a little bit of an upset here and I'm going to take the Rams to beat Tampa in Tampa by 3 points. I it's so hard to bet against Tom Brady at this point in his career. Like you mentioned, in the offensive line when healthy for the Bucks is as good as anybody, Ali Marpet, Ryan Jensen and as you mentioned Tristan Morse leading the way. You're also facing Aaron Donald. You're not 100 percent strength against Aaron Donald you're in trouble even at 100 percent strength you're in trouble so it'd be a great matchup I don't know how many people out there love their hog molly in the middle rivalries but if you want to see some great battles there that interior of the Bucks line trying to stop Aaron Donald and I was looking up here Von Miller everybody makes such a big deal about Von Miller so I was looking has he actually been impactful or are we just going off of the hype in the name Von Miller he had a really slow start to the year it took him a while to get going with the Rams but he has six sacks in their last five games. So he's become a difference maker for them really since about Christmas time. We've basically seen the Von Miller of old. And then you have Leonard Floyd, who's always there and never gets any credit for the greatness he's done. I don't love the Rams secondary other than Jalen Ramsey, but Jalen Ramsey can also be high risk, high reward, may, may bite on some plays trying to make a big interception. I think Tom Brady can dissect this offense or this defense. I think, He's seen everybody in the world, Aaron Donald and Tom uh, Von Miller, are not going to shake Tom Brady. So this is another game that I could see coming down to some special teams after some back-and-forth offense the entire game because I also don't think the Bucs can stop the Rams. You have the actual best wide receiver in the NFL this year, Cooper Cup. They're finally getting back at running back with Cam Akers coming back. Matt Stafford's played out of his mind. We saw what this team can do this last week against the Cardinals putting up 34 points and probably could have put up more, I think, if you watch them in the first half. Felt like they kind of took their foot off the gas towards the end of the game. I want to be with you and pick the Rams. I've been so high on this Rams team all year. But to me, this feels like it's 28-28 going into the fourth quarter. Who's going to get the field goal? There's going to be a – somebody's going to Blair Walsh it or something's going to happen. I I like the Rams. If I This is picking with my heart versus picking my head. My heart wants to agree with you and go with the Rams – but my mind and my eyes have seen enough Tom Brady football that I feel like I have to go with the Rams. Like, uh, like, a, I feel like I can't pick the same number every time, but like 31, 28 score. You mean the bucks? You just said you're taking the Rams. You're taking the bucks. 31, yeah, that 28. One. Which, okay. Look, uh, maybe I'll look this up while you're talking. I'm pretty sure last year, every playoff game, the bucks scored 31 points. And in the first game last week against the Eagles, they scored 31 points. So Maybe I'll look that up while you're talking, but for for the sake of being different, give me give me the bucks by three. Yeah, yeah. What's the I, line you said? Did you say the line? Uh, I did not say the line. It's it's three points in favor of Tampa Bay, and the uh, over under is forty eight and a half. Um, and I think we're going. Um, well, well, I'll save that for a little bit. I got a nice. Uh, I think I'm going to put all four of these games in a, in a little bit of a teaser. I think I'm going to do a, maybe a six or a seven point teaser um, for these, uh, these four games this weekend. So um, I'll, uh, I'll save that for a minute here for, for our gambling folks. Um, I'll give that away after we've gone through all four of these matchups. Okay. You could be right about these 31, this 31 yeah, thing. Yeah, look at it. So 
Did you look it up? Because I've got it in front of me as well. I did not look it up. Okay, so la- last year in the playoffs, Tampa Bay so played four games. They were the five seed. 31 points, 30 points, 31, 31, and scored 31 this last week. How's that for consistency? That that's interesting. Yeah, that's. A, I don't that's know what that means, but it's it's too it's too much of a coincidence to be accidental. Hmm. That is uh. That is very interesting. Um. I uh, I think this game is going into the 30s, though. I just think that uh, the Rams are the are the team that's coming out on top. I gotta just pick one upset here for the sake of not going all chalk. I know that's maybe giving up my, uh, my next game pick here, but I think this is, this is something like a, like a 38 to 31 Rams win or 38 to 34. I'll go 38, 31. I think, uh, I think the Rams take this by a touchdown. Um, Like you said, they can put up points too. And I think that's exactly what they'll do. And and remind me if I'm wrong, these teams actually played this season in LA and it was 34-24. And that's when the Bucks were actually extremely healthy. I, I understand it's early in the season, but Tom Brady threw for four hundred and thirty yards and one touchdown. Um Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Gronk had all decent games. Um, but the Rams were Matt Stafford was on absolute fire in that game. Now I know this is on the road, um, but I have to think that Matt Stafford's capable of, of doing something like he did 343 and four touchdowns, maybe not to that level. And they may not need it with like acres and Michelle and their defense looking a little bit better, but now he's got Oda Beckham um, to go with Cooper cup and, and Van Jefferson and Higby and other guys. I think the Rams just have a little bit more firepower than what the Bucks do at this point, and that's why I'm taking them. I don't think Tom Brady plays football till November. Like the September October, Tom Brady's just like half speed. I think that's what we learned in New England. They always got better later in the year. Tom Brady just kind of goes half speed. That's my philosophy. But they are without. So we please don't talk about Antonio Brown. We know that Chris Godwin's out for the year. Leonard Fournette, I believe, is out for the entire playoffs. And Rojo was. Was he a maybe for this week? But the, uh, no, the Buccaneers I, are. It's, it seems to be Tom Brady, Mike Evans, and Gronk, unless somebody's coming back this week. I think there's actually a possibility that Fournette is back. I don't think Fournette's actually done for the playoffs. Um, so Fournette and Ronald Jones may actually both be back this week, and that would give them a little bit of more balance in their offense. But even still, I think I still think the Rams kind of have more firepower even if Fournette were to come back. They've got so, they've got Le'Veon Bell on the roster. He's the third string back. They need to bring him out. Um, they've been playing Keyshawn Vaughn and Gio Bernard in the absence of Fournette and Jones. And if uh, those guys are out again, I think we're just going to see a same dose of what we saw this weekend against the Eagles with uh, Keyshawn Vaughn leading the way and, and Gio Bernard in on kind of passing downs and stuff. So I think I can, we're going to see that from the Bucks again. Gio Bernard is one of those guys I cannot believe he's still in the league. Like, good for him. I loved him as a Bengal, but he has bounced around. And props to him for still being out there doing his thing almost 10 years into his career as a running back. Yeah, and he's um, 
carved out a nice role as like a third down pass catching back, which um, in that role, you're not uh, getting tackled as by, by the bigger guys on the inside. You're getting tackled by uh, safeties and corners. It, it kind of prolongs your career a little bit. So that's why he's been able to uh, stick it out so long, I think. Is he kind of taking that Darren Sproles spot? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. He uh, he really, when he's in, you kind of know that you're in a passing situation. He's either going to catch pass or pass block, one of those two things. All right, and then good job on the NFL scheduling this pretty obviously, leaving your marquee game until Sunday afternoon, evening, which weird. NBC got the daytime game. CBS gets the primetime, a rare CBS primetime Sunday night football game. The Bills at the Chiefs, this is the game we're all salivating over. This is the game that I'm most excited for. Josh Allen and the Bills versus Patrick Mahomes. You've got that dynamic Chiefs offense and the Bills, the best defense, best scoring defense, best yardage defense, I believe. We saw what they did to the Patriots, which everybody in America loved that. If you did not live in the New New England area, how awesome was that to watch the Bills just put the hurt on the Patriots? Anybody loves to see the Patriots and Belichick get absolutely smashed. But how much better does it feel to be the Bills? For 20 years, you've been little brother, and you've had to watch the Patriots dominate your division. And finally, you just come out there, and you punch them in the mouth. And that's what that felt like. The entire state, the entire city, the entire stadium, everybody who's ever been a Buffalo Bill during the Patriots run, it felt like they were all together just pummeling the Patriots, and everybody loved it. Ryan Fitzpatrick was there and loved it. So congratulations to the Bills. We all love to see you do it. And But now they're moving on to Kansas City, and I'm ready for this. I'm going to go against conventionalism. I think we're going to have a strangely low-scoring game because I think that Bills defense is going to take over. Your your guy, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poirier, those guys in the back end of the defense, I think are going to give Patrick Mahomes fits. I think a close game, but I think it's going to be lower scoring than people expect. Mm, I do not think it's going to be lower scoring than people expect. I think uh, we've got an over-under set right now at 54 and a half. Give me the over on that all day. We're going over on this game. There's going to be plenty of points had all around. Um, I think I think Kansas City is going to win this one because – um, I just have kind of a, well, I borrowed this from Bill Simmons, but his uh, playoff manifesto r- rule is uh, don't get too hyped on the team that looked really good wild card weekend. And uh, the, the team that looked like- the best wild card weekend is the Buffalo Bills. And so I'm not going to quite buy the hype. Um, I do think their offense is good enough to put up points on the Kansas City defense. But then, then again, a lot of teams can put up points on the Kansas City defense. I'm not necessarily sold on the Buffalo defense as a whole. Their secondary is pretty good with Hyde and Poyer and those guys. Um, but they, they don't generate a ton of pass rush. They don't have the fearsome pass rushers that you kind of need to put the pressure on Mahomes to keep this game low scoring. Um, whereas conversely, Kansas City can throw some heat up the middle with Chris Jones. You've got the honey badger on the back end, but really – defensively there's nothing for either offense to be afraid of that's why I think this thing is going over and I think just in a in a game like that that's just kind of the Chiefs game and that's why I'm going to go ahead and take uh, Mahomes and the Chiefs I think this is going to be something crazy like a like a 45 to to 41 type game I think this is just going to be an insane 
you know, whoever gets the ball last kind of thing. So, and that's, that's going to be the Chiefs. What's your weather looking like there, Mr. Midwest? Hmm, I'm not sure about that. And I'm not entirely sure that it, that it matters. Um, well, I guess it matters to an extent because we're playing in a blizzard, but I don't think we have a blizzard expected in Kansas City, at least not that I've heard up until this point. It may be a, a little bit on the colder side, but both teams are used to that. So I don't think that's going to throw either of these teams off. And so my reason for the defense is Kansas City, if the weather does end up being pretty gnarly, could slow both teams down. And the Bills defense, I think I like a lot more. To me, it kind of feels like that 49ers defense from a couple of years ago when they end up making the Super Bowl run. You've got guys who can shut things down in the back end, but it really starts with your front. And that's what the Bills did this last year, drafting Gregory Russo and Boogie Basham with their first two picks, rotating those two in at ends to go along with veterans like Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison. You've got Ed Oliver in the middle, who I'm still a huge fan of. Your guy, A.J. Epinesa, rotating in there a little bit. Tremaine Edmonds is a monster at linebacker, one of the most underappreciated defensive players in the league, plus Matt Milano, who somehow he was only drafted in 2017. I feel like he was drafted in 2007. So there's a lot of, I think there's more talent on this Bills, not a lot of headline guys, but they rotate, keep that defensive line fresh and can get after you. The Chiefs offensive line has come leaps and bounds from last year, but we saw what happened in the Super Bowl when the Bucs were able to throw everything at Patrick Mahomes. And that line was a sieve. So I think the combination of potentially bad weather and better defenses than we expect. Kansas City can turn it on. Uh, Nick Bolton's been a fantastic rookie find for them at linebacker, doesn't get enough attention. He's a guy to keep looking at, kind of like a next Fred Warner type player. So I'm going to go against conventional wisdom. This is going to be my one weird pick this week. I'm going to go Bills like 20 to 17, going to go completely against what everybody's expecting. Interesting. I mean, I, I applaud you for being willing to go against the grain. I, uh, I just am hoping that this is going to be everything that it's built up to be and that uh, we're going to see plenty of offense. Just like we saw plenty of offense from KC on uh, on Sunday night last week against the Steelers. Granted, it was the Steelers' different opponent, um, but those were kind of the two highest scoring teams of the weekend. So I, I kind of expect those to be the two highest scoring teams this weekend again as well. All right. So to refresh, I am going Bengals, Packers, Bucks, and Bills. And you are going. I am going um, with the Titans, Packers, Rams, and Chiefs. There, we were only only the same on one. We only yep. are we're sticking with the Packers, but. Yep, and then uh, I promised all my all the gambling nerds that may be listening. Oh, yes. um, Fourteen teaser. I'm taking Green Bay minus six, um, and, and I'm doing a six point teaser here. And I'm taking the over and all the other three games. So whatever the over under set at, I'm taking all the overs and teasing it all down six, which puts. Green Bay at even, so basically a pick them. So Green Bay just has to win. And then um, all the other games have to hit the over. So we're looking at Bengals-Titans. We're, we're talking an over of 41 combined points. Rams-Bucks, we're looking at an over-under of 42 and a half. So 43 points will get it done there. And then 48 and a half in the Bills-Chiefs game. 
think it's very doable. Um, gamble responsibly, folks. Don't don't bet any more money than what you can afford to lose. But uh, that's what I'm going with for the uh, divisional round. Uh, I may have a few uh, same game parlays going on as well. Some touchdown props, some yardage props thrown in there, and some same game parlays. But we'll see. I kind of didn't under a lot of what you said, but I'll trust that it was right and people should do what you say. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be right. Um, but I, I, and I don't know if people should do what I say when it comes to gambling. I mean, I've been pretty hit or miss this year. It's been a real mixed bag, but, uh, we'll, uh, we'll see how it works out. So we're going to do a couple of quick hitters here. We're already somehow at our hour nearly, but I want to do, I want to see we did a quarterback thing earlier in the year where Andrew fired a whole bunch of quarterbacks, but we're going to get to that in a minute. But I'm curious, do you think any of these teams will actually get rid of their coaches? That was one of the big, one of the big talking points. Uh, looking at them quick, I feel like your main candidates, Rich Passaccio with the Raiders, uh, Mike McCarthy with the Cowboys, maybe Cliff Kingsbury, and then people want to fire Kyle Shanahan every week. So I think those are your four. Niners, Cardinals, Cowboys, and Raiders are all four of those coaches back next year. I have such a hard time getting rid of a coach who takes a team to the playoffs. Yeah, and I do too. But I think um, with McCarthy, at least, it's kind of evident that maybe the game has – and it's been evident uh, – it's why Green Bay got rid of him. I don't know what, what Dallas was actually doing picking McCarthy up. Um, the game has passed McCarthy by, and, and he's just not going to get that back. Um, so you've got a solid guy internally, a guy like Dan Quinn that uh, knows the ins and outs of running a team and, and can do it. I think they, that McCarthy's gone and uh, either Dan Quinn or Kellen Moore, my vote would be Dan Quinn. Uh, I just like the experience factor that he brings there. And you can just let um, Dan Quinn be your head coach and, and, uh, help run the defense and you can just give the offense over to Kellen Moore. I think McCarthy has to be gone because it was just very evident that he had full and complete control over the offense and look how that worked out. They, they needed to give that offense to Kellen Moore. And I don't really feel like they did that. McCarthy overrode a lot of his decisions. Um, Watching some of their games, it, it just felt like Kellen Moore wasn't the one always calling the plays. So I think, I think McCarthy is, is out. Um, I think Rich Visaccia, thanks for all you did as an interim coach, but um, the Raiders are kind of starting over and looking for a culture change. So they're going to be on the hunt um, as well. Kingsbury, I think I'm willing to give it another go, um, run it back with some of the personnel, um, getting Hopkins back and healthy next year. Maybe J.J. Watt can stay healthy. Maybe they can make some other moves. I think it's really more of a matter for them of getting an offensive line around Kyler Murray. Um, that's something that he's never had. They kind of got to do what the Chiefs did with an offensive line kind of thing in the offseason. So I don't really think it's Kingsbury there. And then um, Shanahan, I think that wild card week uh, win by him a, a little bit of goodwill, enough goodwill for him to keep his job. Um so I, I think uh, Kingsbury and Shanahan are back. The other two are out. So if I give you um, 
So you opened up the Raiders and the Cowboys job, correct? Yep. So I, if I could, heading into next year, you can have either of those two jobs or one of the available jobs, which includes the Bears, the Broncos, the Texans, the Dolphins, the Vikings, or the Giants. So that gives you, you have eight jobs to pick from the NFL. You can pick one, which job do you most want? I think I think it's kind of a contest between the Dolphins and the Cowboys in that scenario. I think the Dolphins and the Cowboys are kind of the two teams there that have the most pieces. I think it's probably – I would probably take the Cowboys job over the Dolphins job just because I think I like what I have in Dak Prescott uh, more than Tua. I think um, Dak offers a little bit of a higher ceiling. I really think that – the Cowboys are on to something and they have something going um, with their defense. Again, they, they're a team that kind of needs some offensive line. They had a good offensive line and they got stagnant with it and kind of settled on it and had some injury stuff um, pop up as well. I think Dallas is probably the best job if it becomes available um, closely followed by Miami. And one team that I forgot to mention, I don't know if this changes your plan at all, but the list I was looking at was jacked up. I forgot about the Jaguars. Does the temptation of getting to coach Trevor Lawrence sway you from that, or would you still rather have one of the win-now-ready teams? I would rather be on a win-now-ready team and uh, not have to endure the the pain of, of a rebuild. Even with Trevor Lawrence in the fold, I'm not 100% what I saw out of Trevor Lawrence gives me a high amount of confidence then again the supporting cast around him wasn't very good but um i think it's not the worst job that's open but it's it's definitely not the best so i think it's cowboys dolphins and then maybe the broncos are actually that third best team uh, yeah, I that's think available that, i think that broncos job is sneaky underrated yes you need to figure out your quarterback situation Russell Wilson, question mark. But I think that would be a good one. And I'd be very curious about the Giants job. If I knew I could get Russell Wilson, I think that'd be a huge thing. We'll talk about that in future shows. The Giants have two top 10 picks. You trade both of those and some players and get Russell Wilson to the Giants. I don't think the Giants are as people claim, bad as people claim. I just, I would never want to deal with everything that comes with being the Cowboys coach. I would agree with you. I think the Dolphins looks tempting. The Giants, and I also like the Vikings. I feel like the Vikings have an underrated, fantastic roster. I, I don't know what you do with Kirk Cousins. You want to get out of that $45 million contract, but you have one more year of that, then maybe you could move on. I think you do have some very interesting dichotomies. The teams we've talked about, Dallas, Miami, who should be playoff contending teams, winning teams right now. And then you've got teams like the Bears and the Jags who are on the complete other side, but you could bring along a really young, promising quarterback. Yeah, and I, I see your point. What I see when I look at the Dallas roster, though, I see a team that's a couple of, of stud offensive linemen away from really competing for a Super Bowl. Um, I think the defense is more figured out, more solid than it has been in the past, and they've got all the weapons that they need offensively. You saw it in that Niners game several times, poor blocking. You saw it – you see it from – and that's another thing about the Vikings and the Dolphins – Got some quarterback things that maybe are a little bit unsettled. You don't know exactly maybe what Tua's ceiling is. 
Kirk Cousins, you want him around. You've kind of seen what he is. But again, poor blocking. So that's that's a theme of some of these teams that kind of barely miss the playoffs versus being in. Poor blocking slash unsettled quarterback things. I think Dallas is settled at quarterback and basically all their other positions with the exception of their offensive line. That needs to be boosted, and then the wins will come more frequently. Well, all we we're know is that something a, we're talking about a twelve and five team here. So we aren't talking we're bare bones. Um, we're talking a really good team here that just didn't achieve its its full potential. Which so, it sounds like twenty five years in the last twenty five years in Dallas. Yep, and, and you're exactly right. But I think I think there's a path forward with getting Dan Quinn and then letting Kellen Moore run the show offensively that may allow Dallas to, uh, to uh, reach their full potential. And and I know that sounds like a broken record. I sound like every Cowboys fan ever by saying that, but I, I think there's actually plenty of potential there. We've seen it, but they just haven't been able to connect on everything all at once. Well, we will have plenty of NFL coaching carousel here going on the next couple of weeks, and I'm sure a lot of jobs will be up until the end of the playoffs. I think there's a lot of coaches still on rosters, Eric Bieniemy, who probably will not get chances to take new jobs until the Super Bowl is here. Well, we'll get Andrew's opinions on those as they come up. But for now, I want to get his opinion on some college basketball. Andrew is our resident basketball expert. So we're going to dip into the college ranks this week and do a quick – kind of mid-season Naismith Wooden Award, which we'll get into that here in a minute. Which award do you think is the preeminent college basketball award? I've never I've never understood why we have both when they basically go to the same player every year, but we've got the Wooden Award and the Naismith Award. Do you have one that you care about more than the other? Well, generally, they're going to the same guy. Um, it's very rare where they go to different guys. Um, so I, I don't think – I think the Naismith is the one that's kind of built up as the uh, basketball equivalent of the Heisman, but the Wooden Award is is a very prestigious award as well. I think it's kind of cool um, that we have two awards named after two legends of the game. Um, obviously, we wouldn't have basketball without Naismith, and then uh, John Wooden is just an absolute legend. So I'm not really sure why it's set up that way, but that's kind of the – one of the things about college basketball that I love is not everything makes sense all the time. And that's okay. That's okay. You know? So, uh, so I think, I, I think I would put a little more emphasis on the Naismith. Okay. For a lot of our fans, I'm guessing a lot of people with football still at the forefront, what did I say? With football still at the forefront, I think we have not all quite turned our gears to college basketball yet. It doesn't seem to be as front and center as it used to be. It's kind of become more regional and you look at your favorite teams until March and then we all scramble to learn everything about all these teams. So we want to provide some updates and look at some of the top individual players. And I know who'd be my pick if I had to give out the Naismith and or Wooden Award. I have a sneaking suspicion who Andrew wants to give it to. So I'll see if he argues for the guy, but which of us do you want to give our award to first? I'm going to, and, and I know exactly uh, when you brought up that we were going to talk about this subject, I, I knew instantly that uh, I, I'm going to try my best to do this without being a homer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, I think 
I did some research for this one, and my argument here is look no further than Luca Garza and what he did last season. When you compare gaudy, ugly earring every week. Hey, (laughs) hey, now, you know, we don't need to go disparaging one of the greatest big men to ever play college basketball. Wow. Uh, Bold statements. Hey, he should have been back to back (laughs) player of the year, honestly. Uh, But everybody just got overwhelmed with Obi Toppin's dunks against the Atlantic 10. I digress. (laughs) When you, when you compare Luca Garza's season to, Keegan Murray's season this year, Keegan Murray has uh, the advantage in most of the advanced stats care categories and in some of what I would call the counting stats, like the points per game, the rebounds per game. His field goal percentage is better. He's shooting um, just on par from three, and he's also shooting just as many uh, attempts as Luca did last year so if you're saying he oh yeah he's incredibly efficient but he's doing it with less work and less attempts that's just simply not true um so i compared him to luca garza's season last year and the numbers were comparable with actually advantage keegan um he leads the nation in player efficiency rating right now with like a 41.68 which is just insane because for comparison um, in Zion's one year in college basketball, he was a 40.84 PER for the season. Now we've still got 14 games left in the regular season. So a lot can change. We'll get through like the slog of the late January, the February, the early March slog of the big 10 schedule. So we'll see how it pans out. But a lot of people are also pumping up Johnny Davis and Keegan's Murray's just Murray's numbers just below Johnny Davis's numbers out of the water um so you can you can go ahead and make a case for johnny davis or or anybody else but i think when you look at the advanced stats and how much keegan murray has relied upon what maybe iowa's team would look like i legitimately think we'd maybe be a seven or an eight win team right now we're 13 and four right now maybe be a seven or an eight win team without him Um, And a lot of those would just be because, you know, we're playing Western Illinois, the Western Illinois of the world, Uh, you know, those kinds of teams. And uh, most Big Ten teams are athletic enough to beat those kinds of teams. So I I think my Naismith winner is Keegan Murray. I I will stay in the same conference, but I'm going to go in a completely different direction. I'm going with the big man, the big guy Mm. out of Illinois, Kofi Coburn, averaging 21 and 11 right now, complete different player from your Keegan Murray, who's much more of your flashy score. Coburn feels like he's been around forever at Illinois, but fantastic big guy. I watched him during the entrances for, I don't know who Illinois is playing the other night. It was just on TV. So I sat there and watched. And if you've ever seen that scene from The Shining where Jack Torrance is just like sitting out in the woods, just in the snow, like eyes glazed over, looking like a maniac. That's what Kofi Coburn looked like waiting for his name to be called the introductions. The guy is, looks like a terrifying monster. I'm not, you would know a better player comp than I do. I don't want to say he's Zion. Like he's not like that kind of explosive, but just this big menacing presence in the middle. And I think he's played phenomenally this year. Illinois is top in the big 10 right now. I think they're maybe like 17th ranked in the country. I think he's been, he's been as meaningful to his team as anybody else. I would like to see a little bit more, against the top teams they've struggled against Purdue and Arizona. I think he's going to need wins in those marquee matchups. 
against the the Michigan States or Wisconsin's. They get to play Purdue again. So he'll have plenty of opportunities to showcase what he has. But I think he's been the best player so far. Getting it done in multiple ways for his team, you see how Illinois responds with him leading that team. If you want a player comp for Kofi Coburn, he's he's somewhere between Hashim Tabit and Roy Hibbert. So he's very, very tall is what you're saying. Yes. And, you know, uh, I hate to say this, but if the guy was six inches shorter, he wouldn't be in any of these conversations. Um, yeah. He, he's good because he's big. He ran into the Purdue big men on Monday. Which can we kinda, <laughs> How is everybody kinda, from Purdue always seven feet tall? Purdue is nothing but seven foot tall players every year. Exactly. And when challenged um, by Zach Eady and Travion Williams, he put up 10 points, five rebounds, and five fouls. Um, not an impressive performance. Not the well-rounded, highly efficient performance. Um, Keegan Murray can bang inside, can shoot from the outside, can create his own shot. He can guard multiple positions. I, I think if you're talking player of the year, you got to have someone that is maybe can do it all, um, is more flexible and those kinds of things. Um, I know I'm contradicting myself because Luca Garza won it all last year, but he could also score on multiple levels as well. The skill was very obvious. Kofi's Kofi's big. Doesn't have a lot of post moves. I mean, he he really kind of looks like a poor man's Dwight Howard out there. Um, it's and maybe not even that athletic. So I, I don't like to disparage on a guy, but whenever he's kind of been faced with someone that's big enough to challenge him, like a Zach Eady is or a Travion Williams is, he really hasn't kind of risen to those challenges. So. I'm not even convinced that he's the best big man in the Big Ten. So I, I don't know how I could put him as the player of the year. I'm. We can continue to bait this throughout the rest of the college basketball season, and we probably would. But I'm looking at some of these rankings, not really, I guess rankings, but performance on numbers, and a lot of the big-name guys you'd expect to be at the top are way down the board. Um. Guys, you know, Chet Holmgren's nowhere to be found. Drew Timmy's way down there. Johnny Juzang is way down. Uh, Shackleford at Alabama's way down there. Hunter Dickinson from Michigan, way down. Not a lot of these guys. Somehow Buddy Beheim is still in college. I know this is a Syracuse thing where everybody at Syracuse feels like they've been around forever. But how is Buddy Beheim still in school? Um, I also like this. We have Scotty Pippen Jr. and Jamal Mashburn Jr. both playing this year. Paolo Banchero's way down there. So a lot of the names that you may expect to see, the the super – freshmen that are really, really hyped or some of these guys like Timmy who have been around a long time, who have been high scoring players. This may average out here in the end, but some of the bigger names in college of basketball kind of middle of the pack and kind of unassuming right now in their rankings. Yeah. And honestly, uh, some of the guys that are going to be really high lottery picks like Chet Holmgren, Paolo Banchero, um, Jabari Smith. I, those guys have had their moments, but they haven't done it consistently enough. And so that's kind of what I look for, too, is guys who have done it with consistency. And I really think this um, endpoint thing is going to be a two-player race 
And it's going to come down to like Johnny Davis and Keegan Murray. And if it comes down to that, I think it's Keegan Murray. Isaiah Brockington. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I like Isaiah Brockington in his game. Uh, but again, consistency is key. Remember when you texted me about an Iowa State-Texas Tech game a few weeks ago, and I went and watched it, and it was the worst college basketball game I've ever seen in my life? Yep, it was an absolute oh, rock fight. Painful. Um, guess who's I, playing again tonight? Yeah, that's I saw him. I was looking at stuff. I'm like, oh, they're playing again. I'm going to go ahead and skip that game. Iowa State has quickly come back down to earth. All these Big 12 teams have started beating up on each other after playing fairly Dickinson and LIU Brooklyn in the non-conference and just padding their stats. Now the big 12 is finally starting to cannibalize each other. And as much as I hate to say it, Kansas and Baylor sitting on top. So right. Yeah. And that is, that is disturbing um, that Kansas and Baylor are still on top, but I'll tell you what I've, uh, I've watched plenty of big 12 basketball already. And uh, if Oklahoma state didn't have their, uh, their ban um, for their infractions, um, against postseason basketball, um, pretty much every – it feels like every Big 12 team is kind of a tournament team. Um, I think they're probably only going to get eight, eight in at the end of the day because there will be enough cannibalization going on that somebody's going to get left out other than Oklahoma State. But I think they got a legit shot at getting eight out of the ten teams in the tournament this year. As long, as long as the national championship comes back to the Big 12, we'll be okay with it. Um, just like last year? So are yep. you counting on a Baylor repeat? Because I, I don't think Kansas has the goods. I think if uh, any team's going to bring it home for the Big 12, it's going to be Baylor. That's no, a whole other conversation that we can have sometime is who's going to win it this year because I really don't know. They're, nobody has really separated themselves yet. My guy, Chris Beard at Texas, come on. Taking taking Shaka's guys. Not. I like I like Chris Beard. I kind of like Texas's team, but I don't think they have enough. Um, yeah, I don't think they're a serious contender. You can hear us fight about that more every few weeks here. Keep, keep Andrew in the rotation, one of our regulars here on the show now. But that's going to be the episode for this week. At least everything for me. We've already gone over our hour. Unless there's anything else you would like to expound upon this week. Um, that's a that's it. Um, I had some fun with the NBA on uh, MLK Day. I watched a lot of NBA basketball. Um, so maybe you'll uh, you'll ramp up on watching some NBA basketball once the uh, Super Bowl's over. It's been a fairly entertaining season, and things are getting more and more interesting. So we can talk about that at a later date as well. I'll start caring when the Lakers stop sucking. Hmm. They've they've stopped sucking enough for you to care. Well, I'll, I'll trust you then, and I'll give it some attention when they start putting it on TV, and I don't have to hunt down TNT to find it. Mm. All right. Well, that's going to be the show this week. Thank you all for joining us. We're happy to have you with us on this little journey. We'll be back next Thursday night with the latest episode. We'll recap the National Football League, maybe check in on some hockey. We're starting to get into that time of year where NASCAR is starting up again. Dare I say we bring that up? We'll figure out the show between now and then. A lot of things happening. Thank you all for joining us.